we're going to revisit some things about so-called NAR, New Apostolic Reformation, and set the record straight. Am I a leader in this or not? It's time for The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Michael Brown is the director of the Coalition of Conscience and president of Fire School of Ministry. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. That's 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, friends, we've got a lot of ground to cover today, and we are going to dig in deep and bring clarity and bring light and hopefully set the record straight on a few controversial issues once and for all. Michael Brown, welcome to the broadcast, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. If you feel I have not clarified certain issues important to you that relate to today's subject matter, If you want to challenge a point that I'm making, please, by all means, take advantage of the opportunity to call in. Now, tomorrow, God willing, we will be hearing from a couple that I've never spoken with from Australia with the Christ Alignment Ministry, and they are the ones involved with what some people claim is a Christian version of tarot cards. In other words, they're promoting some type of witchcraft. They've even been called witches in doing it. They say they're bringing the gospel to new agers. So they reached out to me when they saw that this subject came up on the broadcast. I've said I've not tracked down what they're doing. It hasn't been something I followed or was interested in. Critics have gone after me. I'm sticking my head in the sand, etc. Well, they're going to be on the air. We're going to find out together. I'll ask them direct questions. But please, if you have heard bad things about their ministry— If you think it's not a ministry at all, it's some promotion of witchcraft, it's a mixture, please, by all means, do your best to schedule time to call in tomorrow so you can raise your concerns, raise your questions, and then they will speak for themselves. All right? 866-34-TRUTH. NAR, the so-called New Apostolic Reformation, a term that was coined by the late Dr. Peter Wagner— What is it? Is it a network with hundreds of millions of Charismatics and Pentecostals around the world? Does it represent the worst abuses of the Charismatic Pentecostal movement? Is is it unified in any way? Does it have a joint leadership? Am I part of it? What is true? What is false? Say, well, what brings you back to this subject? Well, I dealt with it a lot, I don't know, a year ago, something like that kept coming up and dealt with it, interacted with different folks on different sides of the issue. But this past weekend, I was ministering in California, had the joy of ministering with my friend Eitan Barr, my younger Israeli friend, who is one of the leaders in One for Israel, doing an amazing job getting the gospel out in Israel and around the world, but getting the gospel out in Hebrew, in Israel, getting the gospel out in Arabic to the Muslim world as well. So, he reposted the testimony that I did with One for Israel. And then later that day sent me comments like, you got to look at this, look at some of these Facebook comments. We're unsubscribing from your, from your Facebook page, Aton, because you are now working with NAR. And Dr. Michael Brown is part of NAR. And NAR is working with the Pope and this and that. So I thought, okay, all right, let's, let's, and of course he sent it to me with a smile. But Let's do our best to separate fact from fiction. I want to be as clear as I can. And then I'm going to go to one website. When I was looking for different website definitions last night, different Christian websites and things like that, I found one 
from uh, an outspoken critic of NAR that describes exactly what the chief characteristics of NAR churches are according to him. So I'm going to go through this list, and I'll tell you who's in a moment. I'm going to go through that list and tell you exactly where I stand on each of the issues. All right, so here's the deal. I will be black and white clear in terms of what I believe and what I don't believe, and then I'll expose what I believe are the errors surrounding this description of so-called NAR. All right, so number one, Peter Wagner coined the term some years back, looking at church growth movements around the planet in China, in Africa, Latin America, United States, different parts of the world, disparate, unrelated movements that he saw were out of the normal denominational structure. And he saw that they were restoring certain things from the New Testament that other generations may not have seen as prominently, etc. And he then dubbed it, this is him as a professor, as a missiologist, dubbing it the New Apostolic Reformation. So a, a general term, talking about churches from 100 years ago, churches that don't even know each other, different movements, that, that's just a description he put on it. Most don't use it the way that he was using it. Then, more specifically, Peter Wagner spearheaded an organization bringing together different apostolic leaders, different, quote, apostles, bringing them together and leading this. He then referred to this more specifically as New Apostolic Reformation, or you could say this was at the spearhead of New Apostolic Reformation. I was never part of that organization. I agreed with certain things Peter Wagner said and disagreed with other things Peter Wagner said. However, there is now a term largely used by critics, used by outsiders to describe what they see as something joining together these very Pentecostal charismatic churches in a formal way, something in a formal way with formal leadership, something in a more informal, organic way because you get different perspectives from different critics, etc., And they put this all together, and they call it NAR. And wherever you have charismatic abuses, they get lumped in there. We have dominionist theology, that gets lumped in there. Prosperity gospel, that gets lumped in there. And and things I would agree with within it, things I disagree with in it. And that's what I'm frequently accused of being in denial. Brown, you're a part of NAR, and you deny it. The thing that the critics describe as NAR is their description. It would, like, it would be like me coming up with mud. In fact, we are for the first time announcing mud. Say mud, yeah. Ministries united in discernment. Mm-hmm. All these different critics, these anti-charismatic critics and those who deny the gifts of the Spirit for today and, and those who oppose the working of the Spirit around the world and those who say there are no signs and wonders and miracles back in the Word of God today, they are actually mud. Ministries united in discernment. Now, now, if you ask them, are you part of mud? Their first response is, what is mud? What are you talking about? And then when you press, they go, no, I'm not part of that. What are you talking about? Ah, that's my response when the critics come up with their definition of NAR. It throws a whole bunch of things together in one category, throws leaders together in one category. If you're friends with this or whenever work with this one, therefore you're part of it, that is the thing that I oppose, that I differ with, that I reject. Do I believe that there are apostles and prophets today? Yes, I believe they've been here through church history. We just haven't always recognized them. Do I believe they have the authority of New Testament apostles? No, 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 of course not. Do I believe they're adding to the Bible? God forbid. Absolutely not. I would separate from anyone that taught anything like that. 
Do I believe the gifts and power of the Spirit for today? Absolutely. Am I word of faith? No. Do I believe in the prosperity gospel? No. Do I believe in dominion theology? No. I'm very happy to be very direct on all of those things, nothing to hide, nothing to, to be ambiguous about. Am I part of what the critics call an art? No, there is no such thing in terms of what the critics call an art. So here, let me just illustrate this for you, all right? Let's go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia actually has a, a definition of NAR. This, I'm, I'm not saying there's any authority to it, all right? But New Apostolic Reformation is a movement which seeks to establish a fifth branch within Christendom. That's a new one, a fifth branch, distinct from Catholicism, Protestantism, Oriental Orthodoxy, and Eastern Orthodoxy. It goes on to say that the movement is largely associated with the Pentecostal and Charismatic movements and advocates the restoration of the lost offices of church governance, namely the offices of prophet and apostle, inspired by the G12 movement. So that's another interesting thing. So it's inspired by the G12 movement, a a certain way of discipling and growing churches. It grows by recruiting pastors of independent congregations and non-denominational churches by assimilating members from other churches through cell group meetings and by frequent church planning and rapid expansion, including foreign missions around the globe. So this is a complete amalgam of some truth, some error, and some things that specifically re- reflect the, the Wagner NAR movement. Okay, uh, let's look at AnswersInGenesis.org. All right, uh, it calls NAR the fastest-growing counter-Christian movement most haven't heard of. So it's, it's a counter-Christian movement. And then, what is NAR? First, you need to understand that NAR isn't an official organization, nor can it be characterized by a common creed. It is instead a loosely knit and often unaffiliated network of leaders who share a common vision and goal for the visible church to reestablish the office, official titles and offices of prophets and apostles of men and women appointed and anointed to have authority over the church, it's just their own churches, but all of us within the church is the bride of Christ. Ah, some do believe that. That is an accurate description of what some believe. I don't hold to that. I reject the idea that there are supposed to be specific apostles that now have authority over all the church. As much as I recognize apostolic ministries, leading, leading organizations, church planting movements, things like that. Like, that. like I've said many times, I look at Hudson Taylor and John Wesley as apostles, but they would not have been called by those names. I, I look at Francis Schaeffer and Chuck Colson as prophets. Uh, some would call them that, some not. But they weren't adding to the Bible, nor are modern-day apostles writing Scripture or having that level of authority. But some, some do agree with that description there. I, I don't. In other words, I, I do not affirm that that is right. So it's a right description of some churches that would be called apostolic, and I differ with the idea that, that you're supposed to know everyone has to come under some apostle somewhere. All right. These apostles and prophets are to govern the church and reveal new truths that we, all of us together, can and must unleash God's miraculous power to advance his kingdom on earth. Yeah, well, there are plenty of churches that believe in the gifts and power of the Spirit for today and say that that's essential for the furtherance of the gospel. For the, for the, but they have nothing to do with so-called NAR. They don't, they're just Pentecostal or charismatic churches. Again, this is the, the problem of grouping all this together. Here, um, let me give you one more. Got Questions website. What is the New Apostolic Reformation? It is an unbiblical religious movement that emphasizes experience over Scripture. Not a, 
not in my world. I don't, I, don't, I don't work with anybody that emphasizes experience over Scripture. And I supposedly work with all these NAR leaders. I don't work with anybody that emphasizes experience over Scripture. Mysticism over doctrine, same there. And modern-day apostles over the plain text of the Bible. No, 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 that's, that's just wrong. But see, that's the problem. This is how NAR is being described by the critics. That is, you, you create a definition— Maybe take extreme statements from, from extreme leaders in different places, put it all together, and create this terrible, monstrous entity called NAR that's doing this terrible damage around the world. And if you say you're not part of it, you're lying. Friends, this is why we need to separate fact from fiction. All right, so tell you what. We come back. I'm going to go through some definitions of NAR, descriptions of NAR, that I found on one critic's website. And go through point for point and tell you if I agree or not. Then you tell me, am I part of NAR or not? Oh, God of burning, cleansing flame, send the fire. It's the Line of Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. Look, it's one thing if you talk about Southern Baptist, Southern Baptist Convention. There's going to be diversity within it, but there's identifiable leadership, identifiable doctrinal stances. You can say if this church is Southern Baptist or not, you're an Assembly of God church, right? Particular Pentecostal denomination, you're, you're part of the Vineyard Movement, or you're a Calvary Chapel church. Or these things are more readily definable, all right? You can say here are leaders— Here's the history of it. Here are distinctive beliefs. This is being part of it or not. The problem with the so-called NAR is the definition, the way it's being used today, is the way critics put it together. Again, it would be like me referring to MUD, M-U-D, as Ministries United for Discernment, and saying anyone that's a critic of the charismatic movement is therefore a part of it. So John MacArthur is as much a part of it as Pirate Christian is a part of it, as much as Todd Friel and Wretched are a part of it, as much as some unknown critic to them in Malaysia or Indonesia or Venezuela, but now somehow they're all united, and then all I have to do is find an extreme of one of these people saying something really bad or really out there, and now somehow they're all responsible for it, and they're working together, and if I tell them, you know, you're part of mud, what is mud? Ah, you see, I deal with this all the time. People say to me, Mike, what's this thing, NAR? What is NAR? What are they talking about? These are some of the alleged leaders, all right? Do I believe in fivefold ministry today? Yes, I, I have since the 80s because I studied Scripture and said I believe this is biblical before I ever heard of something called NAR. And folks that I work with for years, like, what's NAR? But we believed in fivefold ministry. All right, 866-34-TRUTH, 866-348-7884. I've got a stack of responses that I'm going to go through where you answered my question on Facebook and Twitter, according to your understanding, what is NAR, in quotes, the New Apostolic Reformation, and is it good or bad, and why? So you'll find these responses useful and enlightening, okay? But here's what I want to do. Let me go over to, here we go, piratechristian.com, Berean Examiner, the six hallmarks of a NAR church. This was June 7th, 2016. So I assume it's up on the website from four years ago. They still hold to these things. And as I was searching for different sites that, that sought to give clarity 
I found this. I thought, okay, let, let's, I'm going to use this definition by one of the critics. I'm going to use this definition and tell you whether I'm part of NAR based on this definition here. Okay? It was use, using this definition. So I'll, I'll play the game. All right. So let's see. Uh, six hallmarks. One, apostles. We're in a second apostolic age. There are new apostles on the earth today anointed by the laying on of hands to represent and speak for God here on earth. These super apostles are equal to the original apostles. The ones who witnessed Jesus' life, death, and resurrection were appointed by Christ himself to the office. Since these new apostles are commissioned by God, their authority may not be questioned. I reject that position. Uh, whoever believes that, in other words, pirate Christian may, give it, may be giving an accurate description of some people who believe that. But I categorically reject that. When I speak of apostles today, we always refer to them as little a apostles. In other words, not like the 12 apostles, not having the authority of the 12 apostles and the authority of every leader. I don't care who you are, pastor, elder, apostle, I don't care who you are. Every leader's authority can be questioned and must line up with Scripture and be in submission to, to other leaders as well. <clears throat> so I categorically reject that. So Category number one, as described by Pirate Christian Radio, I reject. That is not my position. All right. Number two, kingdom. Rather than preach the gospel of the cross, apostolic leaders are working to bring the gospel of the kingdom of heaven to earth. I categorically reject that position. Are there some who are doing that? Could be. Could be. All right? In other words, I'm not saying that this description was completely made up out of whole cloth, so there are some that probably hold to something like this. But for me, the ones I work with, my team, those we've trained, sent out, serve around the world, everything starts with the gospel of the cross. The gospel of the cross. All right. Uh, so these apostolic leaders do this by taking dominion of earthly kingdoms or mountains of government, media, entertainment, education, business, family, religion. Leaders often take... of talk of city building and organized prayer walks to pray against demonic strongholds. They often speak of being mission focused rather than being Christ centered. Okay. I agree with some and disagree with other parts. I'm all for taking prayer walks, pray, walk through cities and pray. Why not? Absolutely. I think it's a great idea. And I do believe that there are demonic powers over different areas or regions or religions or, th or ethnicities or things that sometimes we're battling spiritually Organized demonic forces, nothing new about holding to that. But being mission-focused rather than being Christ-centered, no, we are Christ-centered, and because we're Christ-centered, we burn with a mission to reach the lost. Because we're Christ-centered, we burn with a mission to take the gospel to the ends of the earth and to make disciples of the nations. Do I believe in dominion theology? No, categorically no. I am not post-millennial. I am not, and, and even within post-millennialism, there are different views of what it means to have dominion, or for the, for the gospel to triumph on the earth. I am premillennial. I believe as we get closer and closer to the end of the age, we'll see parallel extremes, the greatest outpouring of the Spirit in history, the greatest works of darkness, great moving of God, great falling away. I believe we'll see parallel extremes as we come to the end of this age before Jesus returns and establishes his kingdom on the earth. Do I believe that the church should seek to have a positive influence in all these so-called seven mountains? Yeah, Absolutely. Don't abandon the universities. Don't, don't abandon the media. Don't abandon the larger education system. Don't abandon the, the world of entertainment. Try to bring the gospel. Try to have a positive influence. I mean, who wouldn't believe that? 
but take dominion over? No, I reject that categorically. So two for two so far. I'm not doing well if I'm supposed to be a leader in NAR. Destiny, presence, glory. Though members are not always charismatic, they frequently emphasize a manifestation of glory in God's presence and often have a special anointing to receive direct revelation from God, perform healings and the signs and wonders. They teach that our purpose is to achieve our dream destiny so that we can change the world. I would absolutely not say it like that and definitely differ with some of that definition. I believe we can change the world to a certain extent through the gospel. Did the gospel not have a positive effect in America to eradicate slavery? Uh, Is the gospel not standing for social justice today, say, on behalf of the unborn? Should the gospel not work against corruption and government and things like that? So uh, would you say that, that the world is better where the gospel goes? Yeah. So in that sense, if my sense of destiny is I want to glorify God to the full on the earth, uh, yeah, who wouldn't stand for that destiny? Do I believe that God manifests his presence powerfully and that people come under deep conviction? You know, that's happened in every revival movement, that, that glory of God coming in deep and powerful ways. I'm not looking for an outward sign, though. I'm looking for an inward change of heart and life. Do I believe in gifts and power of the Spirit for today? Yeah, it's, it's quite mainstream, and you can show it through church history. And I'm gladly debate what Scripture says on that. So part of that I agree with, part I differ with, and it's simply because of the way it's defined. What I'll say is I absolutely believe God comes in unusual and intense ways in terms of revival and that we should believe for a greater and greater presence of God in our preaching and teaching to bring conviction and transformation. And I believe that God backs his words with signs, wonders, and miracles to glorify Jesus and to demonstrate God's love for hurting, dying world. That's the way I would say that. For revival... Revival on a massive scale is a key in this movement. There is a strong emphasis on an end times harvest through a great awakening that we can usher in. Often these revivalists, revivals are held in stadiums and reach millions around the world via live stream technology. They are marketed and produced like rock concerts. All scripture verses about an end times falling away are ignored and get replaced with hyped up claims that the next big thing is always just around the corner. Again, very mixed description there. Very, very mixed. Revival that I believe in is God visiting an area, region, a church, And it's not going to be held in stadiums. You might end up with stadium meetings, but that's not what we mean by revival. It could could be sweeping through a community, a village, just the Great Awakening in in New England in the 1730s into the 40s. Or Welsh Revival, 1904, 1905, things like that. The Brownsville Revival, I was part of 95 to, to 2000. So I'm expecting God to move like that all over the place. You can't hold it. You can't schedule it. Again, this caricature description here is just... It's putting different things together and defining it a certain way to, 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 to give a definition where there is no unified definition. This is one critic's definition. And I do believe it's going to be end times falling away. As I said a moment ago, God moving powerfully, end times falling away. So, so far out of, out of four, there's not a single one that I agree with fully the way it's stated. Two, I strongly differ with the way they're stated. Okay, so obviously... I'm not a leader in NAR. If I'm a leader, I'm doing a bad job. Or maybe this NAR thing is not the way critics are describing. Five, unity. Unity at the expense of biblical doctrine is almost always used as both the how and the why in this movement. I reject that. Only true unity can be based on biblical doctrine. If, if we don't stand for the fundamentals of the faith together, the non-negotiables, we can have no unity. All right? 
Unity for the sake of bringing heaven to earth is leading to the blurring of doctrinal denominational lines, often bringing together well-known leaders of charismatic reform word of faith, secret emergent progressive Roman Catholic churches all under one umbrella. So now they're calling that umbrella NAR. See how it goes, kind of this reverse logic. But in any case, no, I, I only strive for unity based on truth. We must hold to the fundamentals. And NAR denies the sufficiency of Scripture. They may believe in the inerrancy and authority of the Bible, but God's breathed out word is just not enough for them. Jesus' sacrificial death for our sins is not good enough. The promise of eternal life in heaven is not good enough. That's just a ridiculously biased way of stating things. I believe in the sufficiency of Scripture 100%, and therefore what Scripture says I affirm. And Scripture affirms our communion with God, and Scripture affirms intimacy with God, and Scripture affirms that we hear his voice and he leads us and guides us. And scripture affirms ongoing signs, wonders, and miracles. So I 100% categorically affirm the sufficiency of scripture as taught by scripture. Therefore, I believe what's written. Be right back. Fire with your host, Dr. Michael Brown. Get into the line of fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, so here's, here's the big takeaway. Here's the big takeaway. Just like the world describes us as homophobes, as bigots, as transphobes, it puts certain terms on us. If we hold to what the Bible says about sexuality, we are homophobic. It puts certain terms on us. It describes us in a critical outside way and then seeks to define who we are based on that. We do well to reject that. The same with when outsiders, critics, want to define a particular spiritual movement that they reject. And then they define it in such a way that they are now dictating who's part of it, what it is, when the thing doesn't actually exist. It's dangerous it's misleading, and it only hurts the work of the gospel by dividing brothers and sisters. This is Michael Brown. Welcome to the broadcast, 866-34-TRUTH. If you're just tuning in, I went through the so-called six hallmarks of a NAR, New Apostolic Reformation Church, put up uh, by the Pirate Christian Radio in, what was it, July of 2016, and found that I don't qualify. Wow, I'm supposedly one of the leaders in the movement, whereas I categorically differ with some of the alleged tenets of the movement. Others differ with in part. Others, small parts, affirm. Wow, isn't that interesting? Looks like the critical definition isn't right. Either the definition doesn't work or putting me in the middle of it doesn't work. We are friends with so I'm friends with lots of people in the body. Friends with lots of people. So here's what I don't understand. Here, I'm, I'm close friends with Dr. James White. Close friends with Dr. James White. We've spent hours and hours together. We've ministered overseas together. We've done debates with each other and against each other. I, I consider him a dear friend, a close friend. I honor him in the Lord. He's non-charismatic. He is Calvinist, all right? So I'm charismatic and I'm not Calvinist. So... Why is it the critics aren't constantly blasting me? If anything James ever says or does that they differ with, how come I'm not responsible for that? Well, because they realize he's my friend, but we don't agree on everything. 
He's not responsible for things I say and do that he differs with. In fact, he'll regularly on the air say, hey, I differ with Mike on this. Great, fine, good. It's our friendship. But here, I'll, I'll spend like an hour with someone who's allegedly a leader in NAR, and suddenly I'm responsible. I'll say, hey, I had some good fellowship with this person. Just met him, had some good fellowship with him. I don't know what they teach, preach beyond that, but I met him in the context of being a brother, had some good fellowship, and say so. Now I'm somehow responsible for everything that person teaches and preaches. Like, what, what is that? What kind of honest uh, uh, measures and, and weights is that? So here, I asked a question on Twitter and Facebook. According to your understanding, what is NAR, the Apostolic Reformation, and is it good or bad, and why? So I'm going to read through a bunch of these. Are you ready? Personally, I think it's good. For too long, the church has ignored the apostolic, and it's a good thing to return since it is part of the fivefold ministry. The church can't be complete without it. What do we mean by fivefold ministry? That according to Ephesians 4, the Lord appointed in the church apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. All right? So apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. Much of the church recognizes pastors and teachers. Some recognize evangelists. Most would say apostles and prophets, that's the first century only, the 12 apostles and the initial prophets, and that's it. Others would say there are the 12 apostles, but prophecy was to be ongoing, and others in the New Testament are called apostles that were not the 12, did not have the authority of the 12, did not write scripture, but we recognize them as apostolic leaders as well, and we see them existing through church history, and if you understand their function, that they're not just maybe like a local church pastor or teacher, then it helps them minister more effectively and you to receive from them more effectively. All right. <clears throat> uh, so that first was Jacob. Carolyn, seven mountain mandate, bad because it focuses on man's dominion, power, and not God's word, is always from some of the fundamental, it sways away from some of the fundamentals of the Christian faith, such as sinners who need to repent and trust in Jesus, plus modern day apostles is not biblical. Jamal, NAR is bad because they have a counterfeit spirit working in churches associated with NAR. Yes, I believe the miraculous gifts of the spirit for today, but associated with NAR uh, have no discernment and they're being deceived. Uh, Jenny points to Matthew 24, 24, lying signs and wonders. Uh, Antinephilim, do they not deny the sufficiency of scripture and lump all belief systems under the umbrella Many paths, one ending. This would seem to be an open path to itchy ears of true. Lauren, it's so, so bad. I grew up in it. Why the focus is almost entirely on self. God, Jesus, is just a genie who can summon at will right into the midst of an endless supernatural circus that barely even pays lip service to the word run and run fast. Felicia, they blaspheme the Holy Spirit. Bethel in California, it's a cult, plain and simple. The testimonies from people who've been, who have tried to question and then decided to leave Bethel Church was alarming and appalling as the stories from ex-Scientologists. Jarrett, as I understand it, the NAR is an unorganized movement to restore the offices of the apostle and prophet into prominence in the body of Christ. J.T. the Zealot, bad. A lot of them commit reverse blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. Joshua, trying to define NAR is like nailing jello to the wall. Some people's understanding definition of it causes me to cringe, but others describe it in a way that seems to be fine. I appreciate you speaking into this, Dr. Brown. Yeah, and that's the problem. What exactly is it? And ten different people are going to define it ten different 
ways. That's part of the problem. But basically what you can see is every abuse, be it extreme word of faith, prosperity theology, be it dominion theology, be it an overemphasized signs and wonders theology, whatever the error is, that's somehow nar. So if you're part of a church that believes the gifts of the Spirit are for today, but absolutely bases everything on Scripture, which is why you believe in the gifts, if you're part of a church that believes in fivefold ministry but sees all ministries as submitted one to another and with responsible eldership, if, if you're part of a church that, that believes that we should have a positive influ- influence in the society in which we live by being salt and light, but you don't hold to the other things, well, then are you nar or not? <clears throat> the way the critics define it, everybody gets lumped in together. An accurate definition would say, well, no. In fact, the whole nar general description is is as ambiguous as my MUD earlier, M-U-D, Ministries United for Discernment. Whoever criticizes NAR is part of M-U-D. Oh, you didn't know that? Yeah, well, I just informed you. See that? There you have it. It's out there. Forgive the sarcasm. Uh, Ego. Uh, After having been burned a few times in these rivers, the damage some people are doing to the gospel is bigger than what everyone thinks or is ever able to be able to measure. The spiritual and mental trauma is massive. Fire and ice. I believe the fivefold ministry is still active today. I believe the gifts of the Spirit are still active today. I believe we're getting progressive revelation from Scripture. Does that make me gnar? Uh, Dr. T, as with every other group, they're not perfect. But many are very good and ethical people who exalt Jesus and work hard to make the world a better place. As far as I can see, they preach Jesus as the only true Savior, teach the Trinity, creation, exalt the Bible. Hmm. Not all bad. How about this? Uh, replying. The NAR was coined by Dr. C. Peter Wagner and was a missiological observation and the church globe, that the church globally was under reformation of gathering around apostolic leaders rather than the hierarchical structure of denominations. How, however, I believe bloggers and critics of NAR have, oh, this is John, sorry, have done a better job of misdefining it so in the minds of most Christians, the NAR is an actual secret organization like a Pentecostal version of the Mafia, Kabul, or Illuminati. The biblical restoration of Ephesians 4 is great and spreading. The misrepresentations are unhelpful. That's very accurate, by the way. Peter Wagner coined it a certain way, meant to certain things. The critics have now used it a certain way that is unhelpful and also instills fear in people. And then stops us from being able to say, okay, that's wrong, that's error, I reject that. I reject that dominion theology, I reject that uh, abuse of authority from so-called apostles, I, I, I absolutely reject this, of you're getting revelation that's like equal to the Bible. We categorically reject all of those things, categorically. And if you can bring to my attention that someone I work with believes revelation they're getting is somehow anywhere to be compared to Scripture, on a par with Scripture or adding to Scripture, I'll call that out instantly, okay? If, if you show me someone I'm working with believes that apostles are to have absolute unquestioned authority over people and that everyone in the region must submit to their authority, I'll, I'll call that out instantly and tell you I differ with it. There's no problem doing that. It's not that I'm obfuscating or being unclear. It's that the vague, nebulous, misleading statements made by others are unhelpful, and I'm exposing them and exposing this alleged NAR worldwide conspiracy because it simply doesn't exist. It's that simple. Fact. Fact. 
Um, Doug, it's the bogeyman. <laughs> exactly. Russell. One, what mainstream media outlets and discernment-type Christians have labeled pejoratively, the NARA is a loosely connected, based on relationship, not governance, network of charismatic churches and ministries that um, hold to... Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, that got cut off. The rest of it got cut off. Um, all right. Sorry about that. But that was, I liked where that definition was going. A bad. This is Ali. The NAR teaches heresy, false prophets, and miracles. Paul. Brother Brown, to be honest, the new apostolic reformation is more mystical rather than being missional. Much of the charismatic chaos and abuses is associated with it. If we want the charismatic movement to be reformed, go back to the book of Acts. Well, when Pastor MacArthur wrote a book years back going after John Wimber and the Vineyard Movement, he attacked them very, very strongly, but they were not nar, they, right? They didn't emphasize apostles, did they? I don't think they did. In, in, in any case, there are plenty of charismatic abuses around the world. I've written whole books on them that are completely unrelated to so-called nar. just to point that out. Uh, let's see. Uh, bad. It's an, an ungodly amalgam of charlatans and, and fuckers. So fakes, spiritual fakes. Fleecing the sheep with undispensational theology and fleshly entertainment. It's good. It seeks to apply Ephesians 4, 11 through 12. The five or four equipping ministries is all still legit within the church. It seeks to apply the gospel to all areas of culture and life as the Great Commission, as the creation mandate and Jesus' Great Commission commands. Friend in Christ, it's an ultra-charismatic, prosperity, gospel-oriented, quasi-dominionist, social, political, theological movement of self-appointed apostles, of whom not a few have moral and or ethical scandals. Bad. It's a boogeyman word that's too simplistic. That's what cross-section of thousands and thousands that we ask, that's what they think about NAR. Clear as mud, huh? Oh, mud. Sorry. Wrong word to use. We'll be right back. It's The Line of Fire with your host, activist, author, international speaker, and theologian, Dr. Michael Brown. Your voice of moral, cultural, and spiritual revolution. Get into The Line of Fire now by calling 866-34-TRUTH. Here again is Dr. Michael Brown. All right, I'm, I'm going to go to the phones momentarily. I have dear friends in Israel with the Ministry Tikkun Network of Messianic Congregations around the world work with them closely, especially like 87 to 93, but, but dear friends to this day. And they are getting falsely accused in Israel. And now they are part of the NARA conspiracy, but worse still, because according to the critics, even within Israel, their goal is to bring the entire church worldwide under the influence of their apostles in Jerusalem. And this is, this is the nonsense that's being spewed. I'm, I'm looking at exact charges that are being printed against them. Quote, in the publications of Tikkun in English abroad, they claim to be apostles with equal authority to the apostles of the New Testament, like Paul the Apostle, and that they will even surpass them, as must be understood from the authority and status which they claim for their apostleship. Yeah, I mean, this is the crazy stuff. Totally false. Totally, categorically false that's being put out, all right? And... and you know, you fight lies with truth, you fight misinformation with truth, and people, ah, you're not telling the truth. It's, it's sad. It's sad to see. Uh, let's see here. 
they claim in English and abroad that the Council of Jewish Apostles in Jerusalem, which will be restored, will bear an authority which will require all the congregations in the land of Israel and in the world to align themselves with it. Ah, so you must come under their authority. It's, it was wild. It's, it's wild that these things are being put out. And if anything was ever said that gave any such impression, the Tikkun leaders would say, no, no, that's not what we're saying. That's not what we believe. That's not what we hold to. There is a, a saying about fivefold ministry, all using the letter G, that apostles govern, prophets guide, evangelists gather, pastors guard, teachers ground. Each ministry gift expression having a different function. Apostles govern, right? The, let the elders who rule well, New Testament terms, so having a governing authority. Many pastors in the local church do that, but sometimes there's something... Uh, like a denominational leader which serves in a certain apostolic way, but then it can become too hierarchical. Whereas the apostle is the servant of all, right? Apostles govern, prophets guide, evangelists gather, pastors guard, teachers ground. And uh, kind of moment, I want to go to the ICAL leaders statement of faith, where they talk about fivefold ministry offices, elders and deacons. But first let's go to the phone's, and we start in Mississippi. Jonathan, thanks for calling the line of fire. Hi, Dr. Brown. How are you doing today? Real well. Thank you, sir. Well, I just wanted to give a testimony. I had been watching recently a lot of videos of this nature about NAR, and they seem to throw in word of faith and whatever. And I actually ousted a brother. I, I called him a false brother and, and said I wasn't going to have anything more to do with him. And then I watched your uh, show uh, last week about hypercriticism, mm. and I was so convicted that I had falsely accused this brother and had been too judgmental and then realized from having come out of a Word of Faith church back in the 80s that I had a root of bitterness towards the whole thing. So I ended up contacting my brother and uh, after he had sent me an email and and i told him i was so sorry and i think these critics are more uh, dangerous than any nar or mythical nar as you're pointing out ever has been you know jonathan first thank you for humility and, and i'm so glad that the show had that effect because through the show I said I'm not angry with anyone. I'm just grieved over the division, the misinformation that's being spread, the, the fear-mongering. And then because of it, we can't deal with the real issues we need to, the real errors and problems. But without question, as we saw in Scripture last week, God hates when people spread dissension among brothers. That's, that's one of the seven things that, that, he, that he calls an abomination in, in Proverbs 6. And, and one of the Ten Commandments, the Ninth Commandment, is don't bear false witness against your neighbor. So when things are done, just like some of these quotes about Tikkun in Israel, that's, that's bearing false witness. It's one thing to say, okay, we have a difference here. Uh, you're a Calvinist, I'm not. I'm charismatic, you're not. I believe in fivefold ministry, you don't. Well, first, let's find out what we each believe to, to see that we understand what we each believe. Because as we saw earlier... It, based on one critic's description, the, the, the so-called six hallmarks of a NAR church, that I'm not NAR, but I'm allegedly a leader in it. Oh, so that makes me a liar. I mean, you, it, it is, it's dangerous stuff, it, and it, it grieves me. I'm, personal reputation is not the issue. I'm, I'm a child of God, and, and I love the Father, 
and and he has what's best in mind for me. So if it's to be hated or loved, let the will of God be done in my life. I have the satisfaction of, of knowing I love, I love the Lord and he loves me. So I'm not worried about personal reputation, but it's so grievous when I see people, I mean, the conspiracy theories and, the, you know, the Noahide laws against the Jews are going to start beheading Christians around the world. And, and I'll, I'll do a video putting out the truth on it. And the video supporting the era gets more views. You think, oh, this is grievous, grievous. But thank you, Jonathan. Thank you for your humility. Psalm 133, unity of the body is, is a beautiful thing. John 17, unity is a beautiful thing. If, if, if that person is saved and I'm going to be with them forever, then I'd like to get to know them here on earth. Yeah, I'd like to. All right, uh, we go over to Concord, North Carolina. Brett, welcome to the line of fire. Hey, Dr. Brown, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Well, um, just this, the subject that you brought up today uh, just makes me think about kind of the, the larger picture of different kind of denominational brands. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I just wondered... You, you relate to a lot of different people across the body. Yeah. And I was just curious, um, you know, we, we should be able to have a reasonable expectation that fellow le- leaders in the church really follow Jesus without having to know every last bit and police or micromanage or mistrust them. And so I'm just curious, how do you, how do you um, relate in a healthy way to other people in the body so that... Um, um, yeah, I guess I, th- I guess I could ask, like, what kind of relationship do you have with like other denominational leaders, or or how would you do that in a healthy way, so that yeah. we're not just mistrusting and throwing out accusations without uh, any kind of basis? So, a, a few things, a, a process. First, find out what people actually believe. You know, separate yeah. myth from 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 truth. Separate fact from fiction. Find out what they actually believe. Some people I'm, I'm not going to fellowship with. I'm going to call them to repent or reach out to them to try to win them to the Lord because they've rejected the gospel. But if it turns out, okay, they, are, they, are, they hold to the fundamentals of the faith, then what I want to do is see, well, where do we have common ground? For example, I work with lots of people in the culture wars, moral cultural issues. I work with lots of people that would disagree with me on eschatology, would disagree with me on soteriology, would disagree with me on pneumatology, but we absolutely are heart and soul standing for pro-life, pushing back against radical queer activism and things like that. So we unite in those different ways. And if, if it's a matter of giving my life to something, you know what I'm saying, that, that, I, that I'm going to come into a, a deep covenantal relationship let, let's serve God for the mission field together. Then, I, then I'm going to do it with the people most of like heart. I'm, I'm going to cultivate that deeper unity and spend hours and hours in fellowship together and getting to know one another and getting to know families as best as possible. But outside of that, you spend time together. You, you visit someone's church. You, know, you invite them to fellowship. You, you sit down and get to know people face-to-face. Often when you do, it's like, you're not as bad as I thought you were. You're not as crazy as I thought you were. You're, you're not as out there as I thought you were. We have a lot of misconceptions. So face-to-face, fellowship, interacting. And generally, you can tell a believer from a non-believer when you start to talk about Jesus and start to interact and start to fellowship around the Word. You can Tell those that know the Lord from those who don't. It's generally not that hard. Hey, Brett, thank you so much. And look, I, I, 
I'm going to die on the, on the hill of the foundations, the, the foundations of the gospel, the non-negotiables, and certain things God's called me to stand for key issues. Those are non-negotiable to me, but otherwise the foundations of the faith. Uh, aside from that, yeah, I've got to have humility to recognize I'm not the only one who's right about things, that there are going to be others that have insights I don't have. So where I can learn and grow, I want to, and where it's going to move me away from what I know is true, sorry, not going to move. Hey, thank you, sir, for the call. Just to, uh, to read this to you, because we are running out of time, the International Coalition of Apostolic Leaders has this definition about fivefold ministry. So it goes through all the fundamentals of the faith, standard statement of faith, and says, we believe, so this is at the end of that page, we believe that Christ himself has bestowed upon certain men and women of his choosing the spiritual gifting of apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. These FISA offices continue the eldership of the church, whose function is to cooperate in spiritually equipping and activating believers for effective service in every sphere of life, including the marketplace, political, education, media, arts, family, church. So you're equipped to to minister effectively in every one of those. The work of the eldership is to establish spiritual unity and the priesthood of all believers in Christ. Their objective is to establish the kingdom of God on earth. Now, by that last set, so I, I agree with every word up to then. The last sentence, their objective is to establish the kingdom of God on earth. If that means, through the preaching of the gospel, to fully establish the kingdom of God on earth before Jesus returns, I don't believe that will happen. That's the post-millennial position. That was the position of Jonathan Edwards, the position of Charles Finney, the position of Lorraine Bettner, you know, with different Reformed theologians, etc. I don't hold to that. If they mean through ushering in the return of Jesus, who establishes the millennial kingdom on earth, then yes, agree with that. <coughs> All right, friends, we're out of time. Tomorrow, we're going to speak with a couple from Australia. Do they use Christian tarot cards? Really? Witches? Or is it a myth? We'll see you tomorrow.